think it just starts with mindset, right? Our, our brain is automatically programmed to have limiting beliefs. And I think that it's just a constant uh, work for all of us if we have any sort of a big objective, whether it's climbing a mountain or whether it's acquiring real estate. Um, it's all about pushing through those limiting beliefs and really believing in yourself and believing that anything is possible. So that's, uh, I think that's been my recipe for success is just start starting up here. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? Dr. Vikram Raya is a functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert, is here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life, unlock your limitless potential, and achieve greatness, all while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. Guys, I have Larry Daughtery. He is an amazing individual. Not only is he a radiation oncologist, he lives in Alaska. He has five kids, but his resume of things, of adventures and other things he's done is absolutely mind-blowing. On top of that, he's a he's sort of a leader in the physician space and showing people what's possible uh, with their time, with their with the ability to, uh, to earn in income outside of medicine and to really live that fullest life. And, you know, I always talk about the five freedoms. This man actually embodies them. So, Larry, welcome to the show, my friend. Bikram, I'm so honored to be here. You've been an inspiration of mine for a long time. Just I've uh, been looking forward to this for a long time. Glad to be here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So he's known as the freedom physician. And uh, that's no um, overstatement. This is this is the guy that's, you know, he's done two expeditions to Everest. He's done Denali, Kilimanjaro, Aconcagua, and other things. Um, you know, you've, you've done some amazing races. You're starting to mentor people in, in commercial real estate. You, you're balancing five kids, uh, and you're doing all of it. How, how is this all possible? First of all, oh man, I think, uh, I think it just starts with mindset, right? Our, our brain is automatically programmed to have limiting beliefs. And I think that. It's just a constant uh, work for all of us if we have any sort of a big objective, whether it's climbing a mountain or whether it's acquiring real estate. Um, it's all about pushing through those limiting beliefs and really believing in yourself and believing that anything is possible. So that's uh, I think that's been my recipe for success is just start starting up here. Was this the Larry 20 years ago that had that same belief or was it an evolution? I think it was definitely an evolution. Um, I was blessed to have a wonderful grandmother who inspired me as a young kid and really made me believe that I was special and that I could do anything. And I think I latched onto that. There was a part of me that believed that. Um, when I was a child, actually, the reason we live in Alaska is because my grandma, she loved Alaska and she was totally captivated by this race, this thousand mile race called the Iditarod. And I set a goal as a 10-year-old boy that someday I was going to come to Alaska and run the Iditarod. And that's exactly what happened. We, we moved to Alaska nine years ago, and I was fortunate to uh, to fulfill a childhood dream of, of doing that race. All right. So explain to me what this race is. Is it how tough is it? And um, And how did you pull it off? They say it's the toughest race in the world. Um, that's that's kind of a, the catchphrase of the Iditarod. Um, it's a thousand miles. Um, picture this. So in 2020, when I was out on the Iditarod Trail, we left uh, the first first Sunday in March uh, to be out on the trail, and I left in a normal world. And then you're totally detached. I mean, there's no there's no TV, there's no phone, 
And within 48 hours of starting that race, that's when everything started to hit the fan with COVID. And so I'm like coming into these checkpoints um, and reporters are, are saying to me, hey, what, what do you think is going to happen with the pandemic? And I'm like, I had no idea what they're talking about. Um, but as the race unfolded, I learned that Major League Baseball spring training had been shut down. The NBA was was shut down. The schools were closed. And so I like came back and it was like it was like being in outer space and then coming back to this world that was just unbelievable. And like, you know, people weren't going to the grocery store. And within two days of coming back from that race, I learned that my practice had declared bankruptcy, believe it or not. And so oh my, like, God. my entire my entire world in 2020 was kind of flipped on its head. And tell me what what kind of you're a radiation oncologist. What were you doing on, uh, in Alaska? Where do you practice or what were you doing at that time, at least? Yes, I was brought up here uh, by a multi-specialty practice, um, and I was the only radiation oncologist in the practice. And radiation oncology, kind of no matter where you practice, we're fortunate that it's a very lucrative field. Um, and my portion of the practice was wildly successful, but the other specialties in the practice really kind of struggled. And so when COVID hit, and all of a sudden they couldn't see follow-ups and had to reschedule everything that was routine, the practice was under enough financial strain. And I, I didn't know any of this because I was just an employed doctor, um, but they were under enough financial strain that it only took two days for them to declare bankruptcy. Mm. And so I came back from the race and I realized that I hadn't been paid. <laughs> Uh, and, and this yet, is in 2020, March of 2020, March of 2020. And at this point, did you, or were you in real estate at that time or not yet? You know, so real estate became a lifeline. I had 10 doors and we had $7,000 a month in cash flow at that time. And all of a sudden, I mean, that wasn't life-changing money, but all of a sudden that was like our lifeline because it was enough to like cover expenses. I was still having to show up to work, believe it or not, because I had patients getting treated, but I wasn't getting paid. And so real estate um is what really kind of got us through that period and mm -hmm. that bankruptcy is what lit real estate on fire for me mm. and tell me about your mindset at that point you're you're sort of the toughest man in the world in a way like you just did the iditarod you're like you know you you created this physical prowess and this mental resilience but then you come to this financial reality and then your mental re uh, resilience is, is challenged in a different field in yeah. terms of your livelihood. I mean, you have kids, you have a wife, you, your, your safe, cushy doctor job is not safe and cushy any longer. Tell okay. me, tell me how, how Larry reacts to that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to glean the lessons from other doctors who probably went through something similar during the pandemic. Yeah, man, that that is exactly right. I mean, everything was in question. Um, my my uh, my I, I had a son in, in high school in his final final year of high school, another daughter that had just started high school. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to to stay here, have to uproot our family. So I'm like starting to look at jobs. Um, uh, it was very destabilizing. And we were I was new to real estate. I mean, just just 10 doors. And I um, in 2019, when I we had really gotten serious about real estate, I saw the vision of this like, oh, man, this will be really cool to eventually set myself financially free from medicine. But it was like that um, 10x is easier than 2x uh, all of a sudden became totally true. And it was like it went from my mindset went from this is something that would be nice and that I'd really like to do and that I'm committed to to this is something that I have to do and I must do this and I must do it quickly. And it was like the ultimate in how do I 10x this 
way, way faster than I than I ever thought would be possible. So that challenge that was served up to you, the pandemic, really was not uh, was it was a crucible, but it was also a crucial moment in your life. It was either you're going to get crushed or you're going to become a champion. You ended up becoming a champion. So it actually accelerated you. Yes. A hundred percent. It was uh, it was a blessing in disguise. It was a huge pivot point in my life. And today, you know, three years later, I now have 28 million in assets, about okay. 200 doors. Uh, I work part time in medicine by choice. But I, I made the strong decision in that moment that I was never going to be in this vulnerable position again, where my financial future was tied to other people. I needed to become truly financially independent. So help me understand how you uh, went from 10 doors to 200 doors. The secret was really commercial multifamily real estate for me. So, that and what does that mean? Because I know the, a lot of people use the word commercial, and I know me and you are in the industry. But if for the people who are listening, what does that mean? It sounds sounds exotic, sounds complicated. Yeah, it's really not. It's really a lending term. I mean, from a from a lending standpoint, banks usually uh, shift you from the conventional space to the commercial space when you're buying anything more than four doors. So if you're okay, buying a duplex or a fourplex, that's conventional. If it's five or more doors, like an apartment building, that's commercial. And you just realize like more door, the same, probably the same amount of work, but more doors gets you more, more, more coin, if you will. Yeah, my first, um, my first commercial deal was a 15 plex. And that one deal, I was cash flowing $18,000 a month. I mean, wow. that's after all expenses. And do you buy in Alaska where you're from or do you end up buying somewhere else? All in Alaska. So I'm in Anchorage and Fairbanks, wow. but, but all over Alaska. Wow. Okay. So you have unfair advantage, probably a little bit less competition out there. And you know that those markets, so it's it's sort of intrinsic to you in terms of being able to look for opportunities where other people don't see them. I would say that I've developed an unfair advantage. I certainly have less competition up here. But I also want to emphasize, I think that even in competitive markets, you can develop your own unfair advantage. I mean, one of my coaching clients, uh, I was surprised to learn, is wildly successful in San Diego. And they have just carved out this little niche, this little unfair advantage in attaching ADUs to single family homes or to duplexes. And it blew my mind because I just thought, oh, you avoid California. Um, but as I've interacted with other, other physicians in competitive markets, it's all about developing your own unfair advantage, in my opinion. Okay, awesome. I like that. You're not given an unfair advantage. You forge it. You create it, the unfair advantage. What That's would you great. say is an unfair advantage in your life, man? Because you've, you've lived a legendary life. And um, if I can ask, what's your age right now? I'm 47. 47. But you've lived like five lifetimes. <laughs> Explain to me, like, how are you able to pull off so many different aspects of your life. And what I mean by that is there's an adventure aspect, there's a family aspect, there's an economic aspect, there's a medicine aspect, right? And now you're getting into thought leadership and mentorship. How how, how do you, is this a, and I always preach that it's it's not simultaneous victories, it's sequential victories that, that stack on, but maybe you can unpack that further. Yeah, you know, as I, as I look back on my life, um, I didn't have an easy upbringing. I grew up actually really, really uh, humble circumstances. I have seven sisters. 
Uh, both of my parents worked full-time jobs and and sometimes double full-time jobs. I mean, my mom did like secretarial work. My dad had a, a very humble job with Social Security Administration. I mean, we literally growing up, uh, there were periods where we survived on the on the goodwill and charity of our of our church, where we had food or you know assistance paying bills. Um, that was that was my upbringing, and um, I actually ended up on my own at age sixteen. Um, uh, and that's a that's a whole nother story. But um, uh, I think I I think that those challenges, I don't know. There's people that see hard as oh that's hard, um, and I and I don't want to do hard. Or there's or there there's people that embrace hard, and hard makes them stronger. Hard makes them better. And I think somehow that the difficulties of my childhood um, shaped me into the person that I am today. And even though it was hard. It was so good and I'm so grateful for it. And as an adult, I've embraced hard. I mean, uh, whether it's challenges in the mountains or doing the Iditarod or, 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 you know, trying to balance being a physician and a real estate investor at the same time, like that's hard. These are, these are not easy things, um, but, but it's hard in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when you do what's hard, your life eventually becomes easy, but if you do what's easy, right, your life becomes hard. So you've chosen... Uh, the hard path and your life is uh, is very um, attractive because of that. Tell me, what do you think is in the mindset of a physician that makes them live an uncommon life and in a, in a really wildly fulfilling life and the kind of doctor who sl- has to go through the slog and is just counting his days to retirement? Oh man, that's, that's a great question. I think it I think I, I think it's it's really boils down to four things. You know, number one, what what is your focus? You know, what where your focus goes, uh, your energy flows, right? And as we are, um, as we control our thoughts, and we, it, it's easy to tell ourselves, well, I I can't be a real estate investor because I don't have time, or you know, others got into the game in you know. 10 years ago and and it and you know there's no no good investments now. So whatever story we are we are telling ourselves and and how do we see our identity? You know, um I think as a physician that in and of itself is a very strong identity and for many for many physicians that is that is their sole identity. For me that that wasn't enough. I I I love my job, but it's also it's a job. It's a very important job. It's a calling. Um it's 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 a strong force in my life, but I I didn't necessarily want medicine to be the dominant gravity in my life where it was making all of the decisions for me. And it's very easy for your job to just kind of suck you in. I think it also boils down to what your what your core values are. Um, you know, for me, I, I have very strong core values that that guide my decision making. And could you and share that, some of those with us? Yeah, sure. So um my my core values are 10x mindset, extreme ownership. Uh, servant leadership. I mean, these are these are the things that that sculpt my decision making on a on a day to day basis. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love all that. Um, what's what's uh, let, let's let's do something sort of, sort of different and fun. What's your what's your diet look like, and what does your training look like, depending on what you're doing? Man, I have the worst diet. I wish I wish I could uh, claim that um, that I have that dialed in. I have periods where, when I'm training for a big endeavor, which happens a couple times a year, as I'm training to climb a big mountain, I clean up my diet. But on the day to day, I'm not good at that. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about maybe when you're on a, on a cleanup. What does that look like? 
Yeah. So I basically I try to eliminate uh, as much sugar as possible. Um, eat eat a healthier breakfast than my bowl of cereal that uh, that is kind of common when I'm not in training mode. Um, but, but I am really good at, at, at fitness. So that's a, that's a daily thing for me. Um, I strength train several times per week, cardio. What does that look like? What, what, tell me, break down your strength training. What do you do? Yeah. So I do a push day, a pull day and a leg day. So my push day on chest, my pull day is working on my back. My leg day is working, working on legs. Okay. So three days, you know, some, some solid strength training and then a lot of the things you're doing require altitude, require, um, cardiovascular fitness perhaps even flexibility. Tell me about some of that training. Yeah, a lot of that is functional training just because I live in the mountains. We live in this beautiful valley and I spend a lot of my cardio is just natural out in the hills, out hiking. Um, Okay. uh, So yeah, that's what a lot of that looks like. Okay. Okay. And um, okay, that that makes sense. And then tell me, how do you balancing medicine, real estate and, 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 and family? Tell me that that balance in terms of like at least the week to week or, you know, is there times where things shift and you got to go back to the, you know, get regrounded, if you will? hundred percent. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's times where things get wildly out of balance and you just have to readjust and refocus. I mean, I realized a year ago, uh, my wife and I were so focused on real estate because we grew our portfolio really, really quickly. I mean, my wife got real estate professional status in the first year that we started investing. That allowed us to to shelter my income, to reinvest into real estate. But this was like a full-time job for her. I was still working full-time in medicine and then basically a full-time job for me as well. And it got to the point where our kids were saying like, can we not talk about real estate at the dinner table? (laughs) And that's when I realized things were a little bit out of balance and we started we started making some changes. So I cut down to part-time uh, in medicine. We started hiring help. So I have a full-time virtual assistant and we've added to our team just as our portfolio has grown. Um, so, but it's it's a constant question, uh, keep, keeping balance for sure. Okay. Uh, I love that. I love that. A lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but a good number of doctors I come across and as you as well, they'll, they'll get to 10 doors in their lifetime. Not a big deal. Uh, I don't know that many that are going to get to 200 doors. What is a mindset shift from 10 to 200? Yeah, you know, when when I when I had 10 doors and when the practice went bankrupt, I mean, I was I was bringing in seven thousand dollars a month from those 10 doors, and we got those 10 doors in six months. And I realized that seven thousand dollars per month was the same thing as having two million dollars in a 401k. Assuming that you're drawing like 4% on a 401k, I mean, 4% would be the same thing as $7,000. And it's like, well, how long would it take me to invest the traditional way, you know, in stocks and save 2 million versus six months and getting this cash flow? So that was kind of light bulb epiphany number one. And then epiphany number two was just, I had to become financially free from medicine, I felt like. And and yeah. once I discovered... So, so I know your motivation yeah, and, and, and how that accelerated, but... I'm going to ask you a little, I'm going to press you a little bit because we, me and you have the same uh, group of people that we're trying to up level. And there's these physicians who are on the edge of their greatness. And so I'm going to pick your brain here because you've, 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 you've figured it out, but I want to help these guys. So what was, what was the actual, walk me through the mechanisms of like, all right, all right, here's how I got the 10, but here's what I need to do differently to get more 50, 100, 200. Yeah. So I think that um, 
what unlocked kind of those doors for me were number one, having the right, the right connections. So the right agents that Mm, only commercial real estate um, and really nurturing those relationships. I mean, the thing about commercial is it's really an unfair game. It's totally relationship based. My strengthening my relationship with my lender and strengthening my relationship with my agents. Those are the two number one things that allowed me to have opportunities in my market that I think um, were coming to me first, as opposed to other investors. And let's let's break that down further. So I think deal flow sounds like that was that that that's what lenders deal flow and financing or was what you just addressed there. Yeah. Tell me about the thing that I always hear people complain about in terms of doctors wanting to invest or other people wanting to invest. And I'm sure you do as well. It's, hey, um, I can do a couple of deals on my own, but then I run out of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and that was true for me, too. I mean, I started this this uh, journey with about $400,000 that I invested. Um, and I haven't really poured much beyond that into, into real estate in terms of money out of my own pocket. Um, I have scaled through you know, forced appreciation of assets and then 1031ing into bigger and better properties. Um, but then when I reached the point and I did where I was out of money and I was still having deal flow, um, that's when I learned how to partner. And so I partnered with several other folks at, um, at, at, at you know, uh, up till now, which has helped me to, to really scale. So by you being generous, by you involving people, by you creating teams and that and relationships, with like-minded individuals, philosophically aligned, perhaps doctors, perhaps not, but other partners, uh, that's how you can get to your dreams and goals. A thousand percent. And honestly, I didn't come to that realization easily. I I went into partnership kicking and screaming. And I think that that's not uncommon with physicians. Like we, I had this, I had a lot of fears around partnering with others. Like, from a control standpoint, um, an ownership standpoint, but also from, I think the predominant fear was not wanting to screw up friendships, not wanting to, you know, lose another person's money or or put their money at risk. Um, But nothing has helped me scale faster than figuring out partnership and scaling together with other people. Can you give me uh, two to three rules or or sort of principles to live by when when trying to figure out partnerships or collaborations on deals? Oh man. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's the who for sure. Um, you know, partnering with the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first partnership was actually with a, with a good friend who we did internship together and he was actually an early mentor for me in real estate. He was doing a totally different model. He was investing in single family homes and doing the Burr method. Um, but he was my first intro to real estate. Um, and it was it was him seeing my success in multifamily and then in commercial multifamily where he's like, hey, man, I want to learn how you're doing this. I want to partner with you. And um, so it was somebody that I trusted, somebody who I felt like actually was a step ahead of me in the journey, um, someone who had skills uh, that I didn't have. So when I partnered with my physician friend, I had never done any renovation projects and he had done a ton. He had renovated like 60 single family homes in the Midwest. So um, our, our partnership kind of naturally forged through friendship and trust and, and also kind of aligning our skills together. Um, and I would say that, that that's been the same recipe as I partnered with others. That's awesome. How about some, some bruises? How about some scabs and like getting punched in the mouth a little bit? Uh, what have you done 
you know, in the last five years of your journey. Uh, and we can talk about adventure bruises and or like failures, if you will, quote unquote failures, because me and you don't believe in failures. We believe in feedback. We f- believe in stepping stones, really. But let's let's call it let's call it failures for now and say, hey, I want to hear maybe a a struggle in in your life, maybe a struggle in 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 your adventures, and maybe a struggle in real estate. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that w- once you have a portfolio that's more than probably even like a hundred doors. Um, you could probably pick up the phone and call me any day, and I and I could tell you something that I'm struggling with that day. Um, so I can give you loads of examples uh, in real estate. Give me your worst one. Oh, my worst one. Um, we had a tenant earlier this year try to drown herself uh, in one of our units, and she filled up the bathtub. Um, then she decided she wasn't going to drown herself, and her husband called nine one one. But they left the water running and the and the and the bathtub plugged when they left the unit. So it totally flooded that unit. It flooded the units beneath. Um, so that that one that one stands out. Um, and that that same complex, literally in the same week, we had another tenant um, like abandon the units and leave a pet chinchilla inside. Dude, you would not imagine the amount of damage a chinchilla that is left. In- <laughs> It ate through doors. It ate through wiring. It destroyed our brand new washer and dryer that we had installed. I mean, um, and those those sorts of hiccups, like when you have them, they can totally derail you if you don't yeah. have the right mindset. You know, exactly. yeah. or and, and part the thing of is, it's foolish to think those things are not going to happen because a lot of them are out, out of your control. It's more like how which one is going to happen and how can how can I how can I deal with it? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, that's okay. exactly. That's awesome. And then tell me about this. I mean, like you, you're one of the few people I know who've done some amazing mountains. Like let's, I hear, let's, 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 I have to rep me and you a little bit. Okay. we. Here's my, here's my guys. If you're watching this here, this is me on top of Kilimanjaro and my good friend here, Larry, he's done Kilimanjaro, but then man, this guy, he's took Kilimanjaro on steroids. So tell me about some of the mountains you've climbed, my friend. Uh, so great. Um, Kilimanjaro is definitely a favorite of mine. Yeah. I, I lead people, um, usually beginners in climbing. I, I lead up Kilimanjaro almost every year as okay. part of a, a nonprofit um, that I'm involved with called Radiating Hope. Um, I've been fortunate to climb it with four of my kids when they were each uh, between the ages of 11 and 13. And, uh, you know, my mountaineering journey, I've climbed mountains all over the world, um, Denali up here in Alaska, uh, all over South America, in Russia. Um, last year, I was fortunate to uh, to reach the top of Mount Everest. Um, but you asked one of my failures in adventure, and I'll tell you that um, I've had a lot of failures in the mountains. I've probably had more uh, mountains that I have not reached the top than, than I have summited. Um, but most poignant to me was Mount Everest in, in 2017. That was my first attempt on Mount Everest. And my team actually t- had to turn around at the South Summit which is just 335 feet from the top of Mount Everest. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, you know, you could be inches from gold, but you know, sometimes the path may not be really be there and it's about learning to live to fight another day. And so guys, it's all, you know, in, in life, I, there's so many times where I, I think I'm going to hit success, but it's really, you know, sometimes to win the war, you have to lose the battle. And so, uh, pretty cool, man. All, all the different things. And, uh, tell me more about freedom physician and, and how that, that, that seems to resonate with you and, 
and now you're 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 able you want to start helping other doctors get there. Yeah, so we just finished our pilot program for Freedom Physician. Uh, we're formally launching uh, next month in September. Uh, my passion is direct ownership of commercial multifamily. And so that's what my mentorship program is all about. I, I coach a small number uh, of, of physicians who are trying to massively scale by directly owning their own commercial assets. So that's that's what the program is all about. I I um, share all my secrets. I actually share all of my all of my contacts. So I introduce people to my lenders, uh, to my agents. Um, I go through my entire portfolio, how I was able to acquire each of my assets, how I structured my partnerships. I actually introduce the um, the participants to my partners. I interview my partners, and we talk about all the good and bad, the ugly. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what it's all about. That's awesome, guys. So that there'll be a connection to that in our show notes below. You may want to take advantage of that. That's absolutely amazing. And so as we wrap up here, my friend, give me the top three books that are on your bookshelf or on your in your your nightstand, and then we'll talk about how people can get a hold of you. Yeah, you bet. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the books that have inspired me the most recently, um, I mentioned 10x is easier than 2x earlier. Love that. Yeah. Uh, love that book, just the the whole um, um, idea of reaching this point of no return and leaving what we fear behind in order to go after what we want. Um, all of that has resonated with me so powerfully. Um, and also 10x uh, by Grant Cardone, um, a great mindset book. Um, and I would say probably the third one, I mean, everybody says rich, rich dad, poor dad, uh, that's certainly been very uh, impactful for me, but Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, I think I can't listen to that book enough times. It's just full of pearls and wisdom. Yeah. Statistics on the uh, Think and Grow Rich are the average millionaire listens to that book nine times. And oh, then wow. more important, I, I, I'd like to Grant Cardone's 10x rule or whatever, but I think he did a better job with, uh, I think it's only audio. It's called the 10x mentor. And it's, mm -hmm. I, th I found that to be very compelling. So if you haven't listened to that, Larry, check that one out. I haven't. And I yeah, will. It's on audible, man. So awesome. guys, you want to get into Larry's ecosystem. You want to be part of uh, everything he's doing. He's an inspiration for me. Uh, I, I feel like I need to go climb more mountains. I'm like, oh, you know, Kilimanjaro is just an appetizer, sounds like. So, <laughs> so I need to go. One together. We'll do one together. Let's, let's do it together, man. And then right. it looks like, uh, you know, if you're ever in the, you know, in the D.C. area, I definitely want you want you to swing by my place. And then if I'm in Alaska, I know where I need to go. Um, yeah. And uh, guys, um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you, Larry? Uh, so you can email me at Larry at thefreedomphysician.com or reach out to me through my website, which is just thefreedomphysician.com. There it is, guys. There it is. All right, guys. Um, uh, appreciate the support of the channel, support of the show, support of the podcast and the YouTube. And um, keep keep crushing it, man. I really am inspired by you and, and listeners. I'm, I'm inspired by all the comments and the support you guys are giving us. Really appreciate it. And until next time, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit vikramraya.com. Until next time, be phenomenal.